All right, take your Bible, look at the book of Mark. The book of Mark. I'm glad to see uh, Brother Kevin Keeter and Brother Joseph and Brother Ronnie. They are uh, three of my students from uh, Tabernacle that have come today by surprise. I appreciate them being here. And uh, you guys know, because uh, Pastor Stewart announced it, that, uh, that we, he asked uh, that we pray for Tabernacle because they were having a vote uh, this Sunday, which they had this morning. Don't know the results of it yet, but uh, keep them in prayer, uh, their church. But I'm glad to see you guys. Thank you for coming. Um, and one thing I noticed as we, we look at the book of Mark in just a second, the, in all of the things associated with this transition, you know, uh, all the different conversations and thoughts and discussions, both private, both public, it seems that the most common thing that everybody is talking about is what we're going to call each other. That seems to be what everybody's talking about. Well, what am I supposed to call you? How am I supposed to call it? And uh, Pastor Stewart talked about that this morning. People have asked me. I've asked people. uh, You know, that's a tough question. And the people I feel sorriest for uh, are the people that that have known me and my wife since we were, well, since, I guess since we were both teenagers. Because you guys are the people that, uh, that, you know, have known, known me, you know, from the very beginning, from even before I got saved, some of you have known me. So um, I'll just pray for you. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> but I promise you there's grace <laughs> for you to figure it out. I don't have a good answer. I've thought about it, and I don't have a good answer. So, all right, let's get into Mark. <laughs> Mark chapter 10. I'm going to try to speak. Um, Ms. Sherry, I'm going to try to keep it short. Remember in, uh, you're welcome. Ari about ruined it because he almost, he almost threw down a gauntlet for a challenge. Uh, but we're going to keep it short. Um, uh, I want to look at Mark, and I really just want to speak from my heart uh, briefly. You know, when a, when, a, when a man goes into a ministry, and this was true when we went to Cambodia, and, uh, and it's true in any ministry that somebody goes into to begin. We do not know what we're doing. Despite the, the, out, the outward veneer, we do not know how to do it. We do not, the Bible colleges do not train us. They give us some helpful things. But ultimately, we, if, if we do it right, we have to make a step of faith to act upon what God says in the Bible about how to do ministry. Really? That's really all it's about. It's not like there's any kind of special knowledge that's, that's given to us or taught to us. You know, people help along the way. I'm not denying that. But So what I would like to do on that kind of basis is I just want to give you kind of a brief overview of what I see is the role of a pastor in a New Testament church. And the reason I want to do this is is by by putting it out there in public and by saying it in front of everybody, there's a certain level of accountability that goes with that. In other words, I want all of you to know, not that you don't already know, 
but I want all of you to know and see, and we see together, what the Bible says about what a pastor does. And I also want to show you that I also see what the Bible says about what a pastor does and is to do. And of course, you know, I would, I would be, you know, I, I wouldn't want to pass up the opportunity to once again, Ms. Sherry, uh, say that Pastor Stewart has been an, an excellent example to us and to my family in a time of a lot of transition the past three years. And he's been a good example of a pastor to us. And I'm thankful for that. And I don't know that I'll ever call him anything different than Pastor Stewart. Um, he, can pick a, he can pick a fight with me in, if he wants to, but he's, you know, he's my pastor. So, so I want to I say it out loud. I want to put it out there. This is the role. This is what I see. This is my understanding and kind of my marching orders, my guidebook for how I'm supposed to do what I'm going to do, and I'm going to do it wrongly sometimes. But I want us to see it together. And so that we can be, all be on the same page. And not that anybody's on a different page. I don't think that. But just so that we can all read from the same Bible about what God's will is for this, this point in our church. All right, Mark 10, verse 41. We'll read verse 41 to verse 45, and then we'll pray. And when the ten heard it, they began to be much displeased with James and John. But Jesus called them, called them to him and saith unto them, Ye know that they which are accounted to rule over the Gentiles exercise lordship over them. And their great ones exercise authority upon them. But so shall it not be among you. But whosoever will be great among you shall be your minister. And whosoever of you will be the chiefest shall be servant of all. For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister, and to give his life a ransom for many. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this opportunity to stand here and uh, feed your sheep. I pray for our church that the presence of God would be here among your people. I pray that the will of God would be your people's greatest desire. I pray that your blessing and grace would rest upon each of us. Lord, as we look at your word now, Lord, give us wisdom, understanding. Lord, to have one heart and one mind to move forward and to serve you together. In Jesus' name, amen. The first thing that, that I see a pastor is, is a servant. Is a servant. Now, what does that mean? I'm going to try to give you the short version. Obviously, you see a pastor, you see someone who is in front of the crowd, someone who, you know, in a, in a practical sense, is someone who makes decisions, advice is sought of that person usually, someone who others look to, and sometimes exalt, praise, and those kinds of things. And the example you see here, the Lord actually gives a, a contrast. And the contrast is that the, the, the way that the Gentiles, or those that do not know God, understand authority and understand leadership. And of course, in this time, you had the Roman Empire, and 
You know, it's no different now, uh, really, in politics now. We call them, uh, we say, you know, the president, or it doesn't matter which president, doesn't matter what's after their name. They, they all say things like, I'm here to serve the people of the United States or the people of the state. But really, it's not so much about service to them. It's about their kingdom, their glory. It's about what can be done to, to prosper and promote their own reputation and, and eventually, in the end, their own political ambitions later. It's, it's about reputation. But this is exactly what the Lord is saying here. It's not a surprise. This is the way politics works. This is the way authority works in this world. Is that it exists. Leaders exist and those whom they lead exist for the promotion of the leader, for the glory of the leader. In other words, the leader uses them because, of course, you can't be a leader unless you have someone to lead. So the leader uses those under him to, to strengthen and increase himself. The Lord says that biblical leadership is the exact opposite. Exact opposite. What do I mean by that? I mean that as the pastor of the church, I exist. My role is to give myself to strengthen and increase you. That's what that means. And I, what, I want to, I want, what I want you to understand, and I, I'll, say, I'll make a few of these statements throughout what I want to say, is that I will endeavor to, to give myself to strengthen and to increase you. Because that's the role given to me. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 15. Just, you can just listen so we can move quickly. And I will very gladly, Paul says to the church in Corinth, I will very gladly spend and be spent for you. Though the more abundantly I love you, the less I be loved. I honestly don't, don't think necessarily that applies to choice hills. Maybe not, maybe in some cases, but generally speaking, I would agree with what Pastor Stewart said this morning. He says again, think ye that we excuse ourselves unto you. We speak before God in Christ. This is the key part. But we do all things, dearly beloved, for your edifying. See, Paul's saying he was willing to be spent. You know what? There's no greater example of this than what we read in this text right here. Verse 45. For even the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. You see, the Lord, our Lord Jesus Christ, gave himself not just to serve, but he gave himself every part to serve and eventually to save us. Amen. He is the example of service. And he is the example of a pastor. Is he not the good shepherd? Is he not the great shepherd? Is he not the chief shepherd? This is the example given to us. John 13, verse, John 13, verse 13, listen to this, and then we'll turn to 1 Peter. Ye call me Master and Lord, 
And ye say, well, for so I am. Now, that's a, that's a part of the, of the verse that, that no pastor would rightly accept those terms of him. You know, it's difficult for me, I'll be honest with you, it's difficult for me to, to, to hear people that have been in my church all of these years to call me pastor. It's difficult for me to hear that. I'll get over it. But, you know, it's, it's, it doesn't fall on my ear naturally. But this is a term I could never accept. But the Lord could. He was our master. He is our master and our Lord. He said, ye say, well, for so I am. But I want to tell you, I am not. Now, that's going to make more sense in just a minute. I am not the master and I am not the Lord. If I then, the Lord continues, your, master, your Lord and master have washed your feet, ye also ought to wash one another's feet. Now, here's the key. For I have given you an example that ye should do as I have done unto you. You see that? I am the Lord and Master, yet I am your servant. Now, in this case, I'm not your Lord and Master, and I'm just trying to follow the example given in the Scripture. This is the only way that a pastor knows to serve the church of God. This is it, is what the text says. Let's look at 1 Peter, if you would. Chapter 5, verse number 1, <clears throat> says this, The elders, 1 Peter 5, 1, The elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed, Feed the flock of God. He says, feed the flock of God which is among you. Taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly. Not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. Neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being in samples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. Notice that verse 3. Neither as being lords over God's heritage. You know what that means? That means that you, as a part of this church, and myself as well, you are God's property. Amen. That's why we, what we just read. If I... Your, your Lord and Master have washed your feet. That's not a title that, that any pastor could ever take, rightly. Because this church belongs to God. Amen. It's God's, it's not my church. And I, I know Pastor Stewart would say it wasn't his church. This is not our church. And really, it's not your church either. It's God's church. Amen. So if it's God's church, it's God's heritage, it's God's property, possession, then that means that His will goes. Yes. Now I know we have to come, you know, think about this in the last several weeks. We had to come to that point where we all kind of came, uh, came to one mind and heart on what God's will is. But the bottom line is God's will is the final say. Amen. Right? 
But in this, what you see is the metaphor. Verse 2, feed the flock of God which is among you. Now, you have this word feed. That's the imperative. That's the command. But then there are two adverbs. There are two two, uh, descriptions of how this feeding is done. And this word feed is more than just, it's not just handing out food. Because when you talk about, uh, when you're referring to sheep, you don't feed sheep like you feed pigs, for instance, or dogs. I have two German shepherds at my house, right? You ought to come see my dogs. My dogs are awesome. But I don't lead my dogs out to graze. I put food in front of them, and they wolf it down in a minute. Well, one of them does anyway. The other one has to have it mixed all just perfectly because she's a, you know, picky. I'm not joking. She got skinny because she wouldn't eat because it wasn't just so. So we we put the dog's food in there, and the dogs eat the food, and it's all gone. We feed the dogs. But this feed is different. This feed is 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 shepherding. It's tending to sheep. It's discharging the duties of a shepherd, which includes leading them out to where they will eat because they won't eat. They won't eat. Just because you say eat doesn't mean they'll eat. You have to lead them to the proper environment, to the proper place at the proper time. They have to have waters a certain way. They're, they're, they're needy like that. Sheep are. But there are two, as I was saying, there's two descriptions of feed in this. It says, Feed the flock of God, notice what it says, taking the oversight thereof. I'll mention that in a second. And and in verse 3, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being in samples. So here's what it's saying. Feed the flock of God. How? Taking the oversight, being an example. That's how you do it. In the metaphor of a shepherd and a sheep, the shepherd leads the sheep. He says, being in samples to the flock. Now to lead, we think of the word lead, oftentimes we think of what the president or a a mayor or governor does, a leader. And even in our family, you know, I hope the men in our church lead your families and the ladies lead your children. That's That's the idea. You lead your families. But when you talk about, when you're talking about leading, think about the word leader. The root of the word leader is what? Oh, come on now. That's not a hard one. The root of the word leader is lead. What does it mean to lead in the context of sheep? You don't lead sheep by telling them what to do. do How do you lead sheep? You walk in front of them. That is, where you want them to go, you go first. What you want them to do, if there's a creek or a, a ravine or something they need to cross or some danger or whatever, you go first. And by example, the sheep follow you. That is the role of a pastor. So really, leading a church is not about telling people what to do. Leading a church is by being an example of what to do. Second Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 9 says this. Paul says, not because we have power, talking about the power to, to work or, or to, to refrain from working and taking essentially a salary from the church. He says, not because we have not power, but to make ourselves an ensample unto you to follow us. Listen to that. He said, I have, Paul said this, I have a right to be supported by you because I started this church. That's what he's saying. 
He said, but I refuse to take it. Why? Because you need an example. That's what he's saying. He needed, he needed to be an example to them that they should be hard workers. That's what is taught in 2 Thessalonians. But what was he willing to do? Deny himself, humble himself. Why? Because he's a servant. Their benefit was more important than every other consideration. First Timothy chapter 4 says this, Let no man despise thy youth, but be thou an example of the believers in word, in conversation, in charity, in spirit, in faith, in purity. Though Timothy was a young man, oftentimes people do not want to listen to the commands barked by a young man, but they can't deny the example because that is the biblical role of a leadership in a, in a, uh, for a pastor. So I want to tell you this. To our church, by God's grace and help, I will endeavor to set an example for you to follow. If God will help me. Back to 1 Peter, if you would, chapter 5, verse 2. We saw feed the flock. We saw feed the flock, but how? By what we are being an example. But let's look at the word feed the flock for a minute. As I said before, this is like an all-inclusive term to describe everything a shepherd might do for sheep. Obviously, on a daily basis, several times a day, a shepherd has to lead the sheep out. Notice, lead the sheep out. He walks in front of them as the example. They follow him. He leads them to, to a place to graze because that's what sheep have to have every day, the, the food and the water. And there's other things they do, you know, keeping the wolves away and, and being on guard and watchful. And we'll, we'll I'll touch on that in just a minute. But the bottom line is, is that this includes all of that. This includes all of that. But when we talk about food, we talk about leading people out to graze. You know, and a lot of, that has so many, so many parallels to a church. The preacher can preach. He can preach his heart out. He can pray. He can study. And he leads, listen, he leads the church out to the pasture. That is, he gives them the word. And then it is up to the church to take the word and get the nourishment from it. To receive with meekness the engrafted word. Remember that verse? It's up to you guys. But this is the pastor's job, to lead the sheep out to graze, to feed the flock. So the third thing I want to say to you is this. And I say that is, if you guys only knew, it is hard for me to say what I'm saying. I will endeavor, by God's grace and help, to feed you God's word. And to give you what God's word says, plainly and clearly. Verse number five, or verse four says this. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. So I envision this, the chief shepherd, the idea with chief shepherd, what does that remind us of? It reminds us of there are many shepherds 
And then there's one head shepherd, a chief, the chief shepherd. And the chief shepherd is the one that's over all the other shepherds. And just in case you didn't know, the word pastor is just another word for shepherd. In fact, I think in Spanish, the word for pastor is, um, they say pastor, but isn't that related to the word shepherd? Is that the same word as shepherd? I can't remember. That's right, right? It is. It's the same word. It's thank you. Uh, I could have asked Elizabeth too, I think. I don't know if she's here. Uh, So when you, when the, what I envision here with the chief shepherd is this, is all over the world you have little flocks, local churches, little flocks. And each little flock, you know, ideally, each little flock has a shepherd, has a pastor. But every one of those little flocks with their little pastor, and, you know, it's, it's so true what he said, one weak, failing, you know, poor, helpless sinner, to one weak, failing, poor, helpless sinner. This, that's, the, that's the transition that's going on here. That, that's so true, so true. But you see all these little flocks all over the world and each one of them has their little pastor. And you know what? If you can envision all these little groups everywhere and all these, all these groups have a pastor and he's, all, each one of these pastors is looking to the chief shepherd, right? They're looking to the chief shepherd for direction. They're just trying to do what the chief shepherd is, is leading them to do, what he's telling them to do. He, they're just trying to discern God's will and then lead their little flock and, and first doing, doing it themselves as the example and then leading them by that example to do what the chief shepherd wants them to do. Thus, the entire flock, you might say the, the flock general, you want to put it like that, is all following after the Lord, Amen. the great shepherd. That's what's being described here. And he says, verse 2 kind of gives a little bit of support to that kind of idea that I'm kind of imagining. Feed the flock of God which is among you. That's, that's the local church. But then the last thing is this. He says, feed the flock of God which is among you. How? The last way. Taking the oversight thereof. Oversight. Now just note, oversight is not the same as lording over. Oversight means to watch over. Not to lord over. Obviously, the, the text we just read says, neither as being lords over God's heritage. So it's not a matter of lordship and demands and commands, although there are times that pastors must command because God commands, Amen. right? Absolutely. But it's not about that. It's about, it's about watching the shepherd goes off to a, to a place, maybe on top of a rock or in a little, a little hill just a way off, and he looks over the flock because he's looking around, watching everything. He's making sure that the sheep are okay. He's making sure there's no problems within the sheep, but he's also making sure there's no enemies, there's no wolves, there's no bear, there's, no, there's nothing that can threaten the sheep because he's watching over them. That's what this is, oversight. You know, we, we, we read just a minute about how the world 
The way they think of leadership is really about promotion of the leader rather than the well-being of those led. In this case, when you talk about oversight, the motive and the end goal is different than the world. Their end is their own self-promotion. But the motive of the pastor is the promotion and increase of God's people. That's why, listen, that's why the pastor is required to watch over. Because he cares about the increase and the safety of the flock. And you know what? That's usually the point. That there's a little bit of, of a rub. Because sometimes in watching and praying, in fact, one of the, one of the, the, the words, one of the words used in, uh, of the shepherd watching the sheep is actually, it's a combination which means to stay awake, to not sleep. The idea is he's awake, watching, discerning all the time. Sometimes there's a little rub because the pastor notices something that's, that's off, that's, that's not right, it's not as it should be. And sometimes for the care of the sheep, the pastor has to say something or do something because he cares for the sheep. But the motive is not as the world. Boy, if that happens, they'll make me look bad. No, no, no. The motive is for the sheep. The motive is for you. So as the pastor, if God helps me and gives me grace, I will endeavor to watch over you spiritually and in other ways to ensure your spiritual welfare. Because I'm reminded of Hebrews 13, verse 17, which says, Obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves. Don't we love, don't, well, some, some preachers, not, no, no one here, I mean that, nobody here, but a lot of times that's the only part we read. But it's, it goes on to say this, for they watch for your souls as they that must give account that they may do it with joy, not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. Because I'm cognizant, I just want you guys to know, Choice Hills Baptist Church, I want you to know that this this role, which is an honor, it's a duty, it's a privilege, it's a res- great responsibility, is something I do with gravity. It's not something I do lightly. But I want to watch over you guys so that, so that when the chief shepherd appears, I can tell him, I did my best to ensure the safety and welfare of the sheep. Now, I just, I have to say it to, to close. Though I've told you, I wanted to put it out there publicly, though I told you this is my heart's desire, this is what I see as the biblical description of a pastor and role and duty and those things. And I wanted you to know it and I wanted to say it publicly so that there's, there's a certain level of accountability that goes along with that. But I also want to hasten to say this, that it is utterly and totally impossible that I could do any of this except God give me grace and help to enable me to do it.
I need you to pray for me and for my wife and for my kids. Another thing I want you to know before he closes this. Though I will, by God's help, endeavor to do these things, I want you to know at the beginning that I will do them imperfectly. And I will make mistakes. And I will fall short sometimes. So I ask you to have grace. And again, to pray for us. Now, Brother Ari, instead of closing regularly, what I would like to do is, you know, our church is at, you know, a transition point. I know you guys have never seen me in this capacity. (laughs) And you probably have questions and all that. I understand that. And moving forward, uh, we're moving forward together, but we're moving forward asking God for clear direction. So, as we turn the page, I would like to turn the page calling upon God as a church. So, what I would like to do is to close the service, and after, after we do this, then Brother Ari can, can lead us in a, a final song, and we'll, we'll be dismissed after that. But I'd like to ask anybody that is willing and able, if you'd come down to, to the front here and just spend some time. I'll, I'll ask a couple of people to pray for us, to lead us in prayer, and just spend a few minutes together praying for God to help us as we move forward. So if you would, come down if you're willing and able, and we'll spend a few minutes in prayer together.